The SpeedCafe.com podcast is brought to you by Morris, the official finance partner of Speed Cafe. Speed! 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 Speed Cafe! Speedcafe.com. Your daily racing fix. Check it out. Speed Cafe. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Speed Cafe podcast. My name is Damien Smyre. Great to be with you. And it's been musical chairs in the world of supercars. We've had confirmation of drivers leaving, confirmation of drivers arriving, and confirmation of drivers staying. And uh, names like David Reynolds, who uh, is confirmed to not be staying on at Grove Racing in 2024. And names like Craig Lounce, who has signed on to Triple Eight for another two years, bringing his stint with the team to two decades in total. Um, a fantastic run and obviously monumental success for Lounce in those two decades and hopefully ongoing for, for Craig and uh, the super cheap uh, auto wildcard entry. Uh, we've also had news that Jack LeBrock, as we spoke about on the podcast last week, joining Erebus Motorsport. So replacing Will Brown in that seat for 2024. So a massive opportunity for Jack after that breakthrough win for MSR at Darwin, Jack scoring pole and the first win for the team, his second win of in his supercars career. So we'll talk to Jack in just a moment. Um, but before we get to that, this weekend, uh, Formula One returns uh, to the Dutch Grand Prix. Um, the summer breaks over. We'll see who's been partying too much and who's actually prepared for the second half of the season. And of course, who can stop Red Bull? They've won everything. Who can stop Max Verstappen? He's won almost everything. A monumental year. And what a party that will be for fans, Dutch fans at the circuit, if he can pull that off. And frankly, it looks more likely that he will than he won't, given his 2023 performance so far. But of course, Daniel Ricciardo in his third race for AlphaTauri this year after his mid-season arrival. Uh, one good race, one bad race perhaps for Ricciardo. So let's see how he goes in his bid for that Red Bull seat alongside Verstappen in 2024. And of course, Oscar Piastri. What a great first half of the season for Oscar. Uh, he's rated himself okay. He's very harsh on himself. Uh, as as great drivers uh, usually are. But let's see if he can continue that strong showing in the second half of the season as that McLaren as a car and a team seems to be getting stronger and stronger. Speaking of McLaren, though, on the other side of the Atlantic, uh, Alex Pillow leading the uh, IndyCar Series points going into this weekend, being sued by Zach Brown. Uh, fantastic. He can't escape contract news. Will Powell's made light of it. So Will Power making light of the situation for the Chip Ganassi driver who can wrap up the title this weekend. Scott Dixon second in the standings, but Joseph Newgarden poses a threat there in third with his oval performance so far this year in 2023. And of course, Scott McLaughlin there in fourth place. Uh, and speaking of New Zealanders, in super, back to supercars though, we've got fantastic news on that front in the sense that we're going back to New Zealand in 2024 uh, Shane Van Gisbergen himself said at the end of last year, it was baffling that the series wasn't in New Zealand after that final race in Pukekohe. And obviously New Zealanders have won every championship since Jamie Winkup in 2017. So Scott McLaughlin and Shane Van Gisbergen sharing the spoils there. So it just seems remiss not to have an event there. And that's been rectified. Fantastic news for fans on the other side of the Tasman uh, from here in Australia, but great news for the series. And of course, part of the musical chairs that we started off this conversation with uh, includes Richie Stanaway. So the New Zealander will drive with Shane at Sandown and Bathurst this year and, and what an awesome opportunity. 
And he's capitalized on that. And he has that seat now. He'll be replacing David Reynolds at Grove in 2024 for an all-Kiwi lineup alongside rookie Matt Payne, who won't be a rookie, obviously, in 2024. But two Kiwi drivers in that team heading to New Zealand. Fantastic news for New Zealand as well. So let's talk to Daniel Herrera, though. And and uh, how, good uh, good morning, what time of day you're listening to this. Uh, but Daniel, thanks thanks for joining us. And we'll talk to Jack LeBrock in just a moment about his move to Erebus. Uh, supercars editor, Daniel Herrera. Daniel, how are you? G'day, Damien. Good, mate. We're uh, recovering from... Uh... The bend, a big weekend there as always, and uh, me with the Spanish in me staying on at a pub afterwards to watch the Women's World Cup final, but that's all good. We're uh, we're getting over that hump now. <laughs> uh, we uh, had the uh, the interesting scenario of a uh, Spanish car manufacturer sponsoring the Matildas that may have ended up playing Spain. Uh, sadly, that didn't happen. Uh, but in, in terms of... It, it's been a massive week in terms of driver movements. We've just had not necessarily bombshell after bombshell. A lot of it uh, had been rumoured and predicted, but where do we start? So we had Will Brown last week confirmed to replace SVG at Red Bull. Uh, I'm, I'm just trying to remember the correct order. Uh, since then, we've had confirmation, and, I, and Stephen Grove did touch on this at Sydney, confirmation that David Reynolds is leaving Grove. Uh, and then we've also had Grove confirm their enduro pairings. Uh, but then we've also had Craig Lowndes signing again for Triple Eight. And then we've had Richie Stanaway emerge as the replacement for David Reynolds. So again, we don't know where David Reynolds is going. Well, we think we think we might know in the background, but no confirmation on where David Reynolds is going. Um, and then of course, a bit of chatter about James Courtney. So I'm not sure where to start, Daniel. Maybe I think Dave Reynolds might be a good place to start. David Reynolds, Has anyone yes. ever said that? It's <laughs> a loaded question. Uh, yeah, D- David Reynolds. Uh, so he's he's off from Grove Racing. We uh, we don't know where he's going at the moment. Uh, as you touched on, though, we, we think it's Team 18 uh, in terms of all the teams that have gaps left unofficially because we've got a few that are you know tbc technically but uh team 18 is the likely destination there mark winterbottom has another year on his contract so it would be scott pye's seat that david reynolds would slot into um that's what most of us are expecting i don't know if we're necessarily going to get an announcement on that for a for a little while but that's the one of course richie stanaway comes in um to replace him at Grove Racing, which is one of the more uh, interesting stories. Uh, he had his two years full-time, with uh, one with Tickford, one with GRM, and then uh, in exile for a while, somewhat self-imposed or self-inflicted, depending on your, uh, your viewpoint. But, um, yeah, he's only done one race since he's come back, and now he's landed at Grove Racing. And, of course, they're not a front-running team at the moment. I think they're 10th in the team's championship, which is uh, much lower than we'd expect them to yeah. be and where they'd want to be. It's uh, it's not been a good year, but uh, Stephen Grove doesn't do things by halves. They've got lots of engineers. They're investing lots of money. So that's a team on the up. So that's, um, that's a pretty decent seat to land, especially for someone who's done literally one supercars race in the last, what, three and a half years? Yeah. 
That's very interesting because Stanaway actually had a, a season that or well, it, it didn't end particularly well at, at Tickford um in his last full-time season. Uh and he's come back. He, he had the wild card with Greg Murphy, that fifth place in a, a very wet Bathurst uh qualifying session. I think that's probably what did it. And the other thing for me is if Triple Eight have faith in a driver, I wonder if Stephen Groves uh, and I love I love how involved and engaged Stephen Grove is on who drives for his team, um, as he should be. But I I love how uh, he just seems so analytical and passionate about it. Uh, but if 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 Stanaway is good enough as a co-driver for Triple Eight, but the thing for me is if if you ask if you ask team principals if you ask people in pit lane, being a co-driver versus a full-time driver completely different headspaces and mentalities required. So can Richie, what's Richie got now? Cause he, he needs to, he hasn't proved himself there. He, he, he's coming back into this fight that didn't end so well a handful of years ago. It's definitely a risk in my opinion, uh, throwing him back into that sort of environment. And it's, it's not like he's going to have, um, it's not like he's going to have an experienced teammate to lean on. Matt Payne is only a rookie this year himself. Um, like we said, I guess the engineering support will at least be very good. You've obviously got um, Grant McPherson yeah. there as the the technical director. Um, be interesting to see what they um, what they might do on that front in terms of race engineers. But they've got uh, they've got plenty of know how in there. Of course, David Couch is the the team principal, I guess, yeah. so he knows how to. Uh, had to get around setting up a race car and making it go fast. Um, yeah, that's it's an interesting one. It's slightly left field. I guess he does come from that sort of, you know, GT background. He's an Aston Martin factory driver and world endurance championship. And we know that Stephen Grove thinks very highly of those sorts of drivers. So that probably helped matters for him. Um, mm. And I, I think the other thing is that he's, He's about he's early thirties. I can't remember his exact age, but 30s. he's also thirty-one. Nine. Yeah. Anyway, so he's not he's not young, but he's still got plenty of years in him if he's good enough. Mm. Yes, yeah. I think I offended him at um, Sydney Motorsport Park. I I didn't, and I hope you're listening, Richie. But uh, I said to him, "Oh, you're late twenties, aren't you?" And he said, "No, no, I'm I'm thirty-one." So, <laughs> um. It may have been a compliment. It may have been a compliment. Um, but the other thing with that is, so why would Reynolds leave? Did Reynolds have options or why would they, with a rookie, you mentioned Matt Payne's in his rookie season and obviously did really well at the bend. Uh, Dave had a mixed weekend and that that penalty uh, in the final race. But why would, wouldn't they want experience? And I guess you touch on Richie has some experience, but they don't have a lot of experience in terms of gen. Well, no one has gen three experience, but they don't have a lot of experience in those two cars next year in supercars in reality. They don't, I guess the only other thing to put there is that, um, is that Stephen Grove, it was, he's big on youth as well, I guess. And so potentially you have a situation given what everyone's chasing the driver market where they might've had two very young drivers anyway. So, in terms of mm. the uh, in terms of the experience, well, it, it's not dramatically different. Richie Stanaway has a little bit more than if you were chucking another complete rookie in there and trying to build. So um, 
I guess it's not yeah, too it's much different in that regard. There's just the the question of the Stanaway enigma because clearly you can drive, um, but it's just yeah, it's just a question sometimes of the headspace or or the environment that um, that he's in as as far as Davy Reynolds go. I think that one's just run its course. He's been there for uh, this is his third year there now. There have been some. Um, there have been some podiums, um, particularly that first half of 2022. I think he got about six of them, seconds and thirds. Um, he had a good run. Yeah, he he did. Uh, I mean, particularly at Winton, him and Lee Holdsworth were um, were among the fastest guys out there. I think yeah. he only just missed out on a pole at one point that weekend. Um, but yeah, I think I think that one's just run its course now. Um, probably works best for both parties to uh, to go their separate ways at this point. A refresh. Mm. Speaking of a refresh, this isn't a refresh, but um, a continuation. Let's go to Craig Lowndes now. 20 years. It'll be 20 years with Triple Eight. So he signed a new two-year contract as a endurance driver. I mean, that's longer than a lot of drivers' careers, well, many drivers' careers. Yeah, so th- well, that's a relationship that clearly hasn't run its course yet. Um yeah, twenty years. So he signed a new two-year deal. The uh, they've not they've not confirmed it, but they've said that the intent is that it's for uh, enduro wildcards for those two years, so twenty twenty-four and twenty twenty-five, and that's obviously off the back um, of the announcement that Super Cheap Auto, who we of course like a lot at Speed Cafe, have uh, renewed their deal with Triple Eight Race Engineering as well. So um, you chuck two and two together there, and there's a super cheap car on the grid at the Enduros um, next year and the year after. So look, Craig Lowndes, he's he's 49 now, so the maths is not too difficult. He'll be 51 by the time he uh, he starts the 2025 Bathurst 1000, which is something almost from a, from a bygone era. Jim Richards won it when he was uh, 52, I think, in 2002 with Mark Scaife. Um, but, yeah, that's... Uh, that's remarkable, I guess. Uh, I guess it speaks to you know Craig Lowndes. He's he's obviously not getting any younger, but at, at a Bathurst, it's it is where he's um he's always shone and he's always sort of performed higher at Bathurst, even in the latter years of his career as a full time driver than at anywhere else. And it is it is a place that rewards experience. I think it also it also plays to his strength as someone who's um he's not especially data driven he's more of a seat of the pants guy he's more of a natural skill guy and um you know Bathurst is a place where the car and the track can change so much over the day um and you know that may even be more the case with gen 3 given the traits of those cars so it's um it's an eye-catching one he, he kind of floated the idea of of retirement when he was uh talking to our own Mark Fogarty earlier this year but uh I, I you know interesting signing but probably still an asset for the team for these next couple of years yeah and as you say he's he's that the once you once a year viewer as well with your your bathurst um telecast people know craig lounge it's good for the sport or series category whatever you want to call it i think as well super marketable and he is brock 2.0 in so many ways um three championships like brock um, couple of Bathurst behind, but you could argue he's got seven Bathurst without changing cars, which matches Brock. 
Um, so, Play those sacred cows. But uh, sacred cows. I mean, um, hey, hey, it was within the rules. Brock did. Uh, Johnson entered multiple Mustangs one year. We anyway, that's a debate for another time. But Craig Lowndes, uh, yeah, so good with media. I mean, even when we interview him. He's just so he's so he's so helpful and so uh yeah, he's such an asset. And I think from a super cheap point of view, for example, he he's a sponsor's dream in that sense. He gets the eyeballs, he gets the attention, and he and he uses it properly. So he, you know, a really good investment. And it keep, it keeps him driving. Um obviously, I mean, most guys want to drive forever, I guess. Um and and it's also speaking of drivers driving forever. That that's a good way to segue into someone who's almost a decade younger. Oh, not a decade, eight years younger. James Courtney, um, who said to um, Mark Fogarty that uh, he's still competitive and he doesn't want to. You know, he'll know when he's he's embarrassed and doesn't want to be. You know, doesn't want to be trundling behind the back of the grid on the back of the grid behind everyone else as an old. You know, just hanging in there. He's mentioned that to 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 Fogs. Um, so yeah, what's his story for 2024, Daniel? He's been yeah, James Courtney. He's been linked to a couple of teams. He's been linked to well, primarily uh, Blanchard Racing Team. But my understanding is that he's um, he's much more likely to go to Matt Stone Racing, and those are those are really the two teams that have got seats left to fill. Um, with a caveat that lots of others are TBCs, but those those are the two that are genuinely. In play at the moment, we're thinking it will be uh, it will be JC to Matt Stone Racing. Um, you mentioned his age before. I think you mentioned Fernando Alonso earlier in our chat. Uh, James Courtney is uh, yeah, but well, they're about the same age. But um, yeah, he's uh, he is a bit like an Alonso, isn't he? Because he's um, he's probably one of the more talented drivers on the grid, but. Um, a series of uh, bad or uh, unlucky team changes at various times in his career. Of course, he came in at Stone Brothers as Marcus Ambrose's replacement, no pressure, um, and started with a bang there, quite literally. Um, but yeah, the, you know, the 2010 championship with DJR was. You look back at it, that; that was quite an unbelievable achievement to pull that off. Um, but then went to the Holden Racing team, and it's probably very hard to resist the lure of the Holden Racing team. But they were on the slide then, and that continued for most of his time there and through its evolution into HSV Racing and Walkinshaw and Dreddy United. So nine years spent there for for not a lot of return, and then uh, the team Sydney. Brilliant. Experiment. Very Ferrari. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The yeah, those are the parallel. Well, even a red team. Yeah. Um, mm. yeah, those are the parallels. Um, so the team Sydney thing, oh, and then he's ended up at Tickford Racing. He's been, you know, it's solid um yeah, without producing too many sort of headline results. But I, I think he's been uh I think he's provided value there. The thing that if if you ask people about James Courtney, he's very good with feedback. So that's what makes him an asset as well. If nothing else, he will help you. You don't really develop the car as such, but he will help, you know, you develop your your setups and your philosophies and that he will be, um, he'll be invaluable in that regard. And, you know, we're talking about learning Gen 3. If you've got someone like him 
in the team. If we say we have the MSR scenario, you've got Cameron Hill who can drive, but is inexperienced with supercars mm. in general. And you've got uh, James Courtney alongside him. Um, that's a, that's a pretty good combination. And you've got, speaking of setup, in, in, we, we talked about, we've talked about the window in Gen 3. Uh, and when we talk to Jack LeBrock, we'll ask him about that as well. But the, that tiny window, if you've got someone like Courtney, who's really good on setup, at, to get that extra 10th, he's worth it. Because as we've seen, that's the difference. You know, you can be first or last. It's it's a cliche, but we've seen it with we've seen it with all the drivers. We've seen it with everyone from Shane Van Gisberg and and across the grid. Um, we've seen that a, a minor, a, you know, the the time gap between first and twenty fifth in qualifying is is so minor that someone who can get you, if you get an extra tenth, you'd pay for it. Um, my other argument with James Courtney is. If Fernando Alonso, and yes, we know Fernando is a freak in terms of talent. Um, if he can, if he has the fitness and mental agility to wrangle an F1 car and be competitive, no disrespect to supercars, but surely James Courtney is more than capable of doing that in supercars. The intensity of an F1 car at 42 years of age, then I I, I don't see. And again, Lowndes is proof that, you know, Eighth at Bathurst last year with uh, Declan Fraser in that super cheap wild card. I mean, he's not a yeah. Lounds Lounds isn't trundling around. Lounds is a shot at Bathurst. I know he's an outside shot, um, but you, you, it's not laughable at all that someone like Craig Lounds at forty nine could still podium or in a freak scenario maybe crack an eighth win. But it's it's uh, yeah. So it'd be good to see if if James Courtney gets the MSR, and it'll be that that team as well. Obviously revitalized and pushed on with that win from JLB, that Poland win in Darwin. Um, what so what's left? We've had confirmation to Percat, Percat departing WAU. No chance of Courtney going there. No, no, not at all. No. Um... We're we're fully expecting that Ryan Wood will be confirmed as the uh, driver of car number two next year. Um, I think that's just a matter of announcing. I, based on uh, what Bruce Stewart, who's the team principal there, said at the bend, we're probably expecting an announcement by or very, um, or possibly during the Sandown weekend. Ryan Wood will of course be there with Super Two duties anyway, so um, there's an opportunity to do all that then. Um, so no, I, I think WAU sorted. Um, you know, Tickford, there's still some formalities and things to play out with charters, but I think they're uh, they're pretty well sorted. Uh, Cameron Waters and Thomas Randall were expecting Erebus, obviously, probably the one we haven't touched on yet, but uh, Erebus sorted now again um, with uh, the championship leader Brody Kostecki and then uh, the Darwin race winner Jack LeBrock. Triple on that one, Daniel. Yeah. On that one, Daniel. Sorry, with the with Erebus, um, Cam Waters joked in the press conference at uh, the bend that uh, Brady should announce his NASCAR deal while Barry Ryan's away. It's uh, <laughs> Barry Ryan not being there. But I. So then, yeah, Brody said he doesn't want to pursue a NASCAR deal. Do you, do you think he was? But he he kept bringing up the qualifying crash he had at Indy. He he, he was being quite hard on himself, I think, um, which I guess I, I'd expect a champion driver to be 
Um, but is that there's no chance of Kostecki going to the US in 2024? I wouldn't say there's no chance, but I'd say it's unlikely. I mean, he, he's told us our he told that man on the ground over there at Indianapolis that he um he wants to do some more road courses because before he tries uh, an oval. So obviously he's got oval experience in the late models from when he's a teenager, but we're talking the national series. So um, if we take him on face value and there's no reason not to, then um, he's not making a full-time switch to NASCAR anytime soon because he needs to build up that oval experience. It'd be pretty pointless just doing, you know, road courses, street circuits, circuit only um, if you're going to make the effort to go over there. So yeah, there's no, I don't think there's any real threat of him upping and leaving at the end of this year. Um, end of 2024, yeah, maybe. Um, you know, he's clearly interested in racing more often. If you're in NASCAR, you're racing a lot. Um, and he, he's he got that background. But no, I, I don't I don't think there's a danger he would leave. And uh, at this point, I don't think, uh, well, we can only guess, but I don't think Erebus would be willing to release two, you know, championship contending drivers in the space of a handful of weeks, would they? And speaking, you're you're about to get to triple eight, which Barry Ryan described as the neighbor neighbor down the road. You hey I, my question I think I I think I messaged you, Daniel, was uh why does Barry Ryan know his neighbors? <laughs> but I get what he's saying. They're the competitor, they're the rival, a, they're the yeah. dragon he wants to slap. Yeah, I, I can get that. It's a it's a siege mentality, and I've um, uh, and obviously, as as we saw in that very press conference, there's no hiding it. Um, Barry Ryan has his issues with the media, and the media have their issues with um, Barry Ryan. But I can get that. It's a it's a siege mentality. You know, you see coaches in other sports, in other sports, do that. Some people need that to be motivated. Um, you know, and yeah. and yeah, hundred percent. And we've, yeah, we've um, we've had the interactions with Barry Ryan, but I, he's another one that is. We're talking about personalities and uh, and getting the sport in the spotlight. He's another one. Um, he's the he's the villain. He's the man with the the black hat. We need we need a few more villains in supercars, just lobbing bombs and causing niggle, and uh, and being a lightning rod for for all that sort of. Um, agitation and angst and and Barry Ryan whether he likes it or not is one of those now and um mm. and we need we need a bit more of that we need more of him more of uh we're talking about you know James Courtney he's a he's a personality he's a, a slightly different he's a different type of personality but he's still a bloke with an uh, with an opinion and is very camera friendly um Cameron Waters is slightly different again, but I'd like to see a bit more of uh, building up Waters' profile because he's one that um, he's one that can be very blunt. And uh, well, we saw that at Simmons Plains with the uh, with the assessment he made of the performance of the DJR mm. Mustangs when he ran into a couple of them in qualifying. Um, yeah, more more of that, please. More personalities, more yeah. aggro. And there's one final. Uh, Silly season or driver movement, <clears throat> Blanchard. Mm. So the Blanchard Racing Team, um, Hazelwood. Uh, this is I. I find this weird. It's a one car team. Um, yeah, I, I, it's not something I necessarily expected for him to be leaving. I, I think he's doing all right. Um, 
yeah, that's that's a bit of a strange one, I reckon. Or am I off the mark? Do you reckon, Daniel? Yeah, I, you can say that. I, oh, I'm going to say yes then. Um, <laughs> yeah, any opportunity they've got. You know, they, they've given Aaron Love a, a shot in Super Two. They clearly rate him. Um, so he he's kind of it, he's kind of part of the fold there. I mean, Todd Hazelwood came up through MSR. You'd consider he's part of the MSR family, if you want to put it that yes. way. Um, yeah, I I think that I reckon, think they just rate so, Aaron Love, and and they've they've had a chance to see Aaron Love and bring him in. Um, is it the old um a driver is a replaceable part, and if you can get a better one, is someone new? I'm not saying and. Yeah, if they rate, if they think Aaron Love is the future and a better bet than Hazelwood, they'll replace you. I mean, you're not you're not special as a racing driver, um, unless you're Craig Lowndes, it seems. Uh, so, but you're not. You're not. I mean, you're a replace. Uh, uh, Mick Dillon said that about you know when he was winning. How many championships did he win? Five. Five. Um, so Mick Dillon said years ago. Yeah, I'm a replaceable part. As soon as they find someone better or cheaper, they'll replace me. I'm like a. I'm like a any other part on the bike. Um, so, yeah, if, if Blanchard's have got a better option or any team has a better option, that's interesting, though. I thought Hazelwood might have been linked to MSR then um, to replace Jack LeBrock. Uh, but it's, as you say, it sounds like that's more a James Courtney scenario. But I, I think that's a James Courtney. And I, th- I mean, MSR at the moment is spoiled for choice, really, um, in terms of, you know, Anyone who's available is going to be looking at that seat now because it's a race-winning seat. No, I think I mean BRT. They've, you know, we don't see their data, but they've had, they've had a while to look at Todd Hazelwood. Now it is, it is his first season with the team in in his defence. But they've they've had a look and decided that um, that they want to go somewhere else. It's it's interesting given, you know, in the context of a second entry, which they'll very likely have next year that um that they still don't have room for him so clearly they're looking at some other options james courtney uh apparently was one of them um but yeah you know and todd hazelwood he will he will probably become a a, a serviceable uh enduro co-driver next year and then mm. and then we'll see what the future holds from there and also looking ahead there was some news about newcastle this week it was interesting some, uh, local reporting. Yeah, the uh, the headlines weren't good in uh, in the uh, Newcastle media, were they? In the Newcastle Herald and uh, NBN News, which is their version of Channel Nine. Um, yeah, a, a survey about the Newcastle Five Hundred. So this has been going on. This was announced late last year that uh, Newcastle City Council was going to commission a survey of residents and business owners before they made a decision. On uh, on that event because its contract is up, it's uh, it's uncontracted now. Technically, we don't know if it's going to happen next year or ever again. Um, uh, that so that survey was conducted um, during the event in terms of event attendees, and then in the uh, weeks after, and uh, we finally had uh, it been released. And yeah, some. Uh, <laughs> Some strong headlines getting around. A majority of residents are opposed to renewing it. It was interesting though. This the uh, the reliability of that survey. Um, it was a, a two parter. 
There was a, mm-hmm. a um, an online component and a phone component. And the online, they broke opposite ways. The online opposed the event. The phone supported it. And the phone sample was much smaller, but the phone sample was also a lot more rigorous where um, basically it looks like there may have been some people gaming the online survey and, uh, and uh, responding multiple times. I don't know if it tells us a lot that we didn't know because the other thing is that, as you'd expect, the residents in the suburbs, suburb where the race takes place are just around it and not happy. That's uh, mm. That's hardly a shock. And as you go further west away from the track, it becomes a lot more supportive. So I don't think it tells us much that we don't know already. I mm. um, I think that there's been no contract signed yet. The, the survey is one of the formalities because, you know, this involving uh, two levels of government um, through Destination New South Wales and then City Newcastle Council, they've got to dot all their I's and uh, and cross all their T's and all that stuff. Um, but I think the the Newcastle 500, I think is still a better than even money chance of returning. So I, I, I hope so. This will play out <clears> over <throat> the next awesome. This will play out over the next few weeks behind the scenes, but um, I'd still say it's more likely than not to be opening the season next year. And New South Wales Premier was at Sydney Motorsport Park, wasn't he? Back in when was that? The end of end of July was the supercars around there, and he was there. Chris Mins, he was, and he's um. So for those who are not au fait with New South Wales politics, uh, he uh he returned he led Labor back into government in March in New South Wales after twelve years in opposition. He'd expressed support for the Newcastle Five Hundred in February. So that was always a good sign for the uh, the event's future, given that the uh, the event happened a fortnight before the election did this year. Um, so that's good. There's well, I had the caveat that um, Tim Crackenthorpe, who's the member for Newcastle, has now jumped on the survey and said that he's uh, he's with the residents now. But um, interesting, he's, he's well, yeah, he's flipped, but he's also. Um, potentially facing an investigation by the state's anti-corruption commission. So um, one wonders what his motives are there in terms of um, trying to to back a winning horse and potentially uh, win back or recover some reputational damage. Um, so that's uh, that's an interesting one there as well. Is this still a podcast about supercars? <laughs> I, I can talk. I, I'm a I'm a political <laughs> junkie as well. I love election nights; they're awesome. If we can, um, a, a, a winning horse indeed now is a race in New Zealand. So yep. Newcastle might not be locked in, but New Zealand, here we come. Going back to the Shaky Isles, we're going to Topor uh, next year. Three year deal, which is very exciting. It's it's taken longer then uh, everyone would have liked to get that done as well. But again, uh, dealing with governments, uh, a couple of levels of government over there, um, that that happens. Um, but yeah, we're locked in. So uh, it's one of three racetracks that Tony Quinn owns in New Zealand. It's hosted A1 Grand Prix. It's in the, it's about the centre of the North Island, um, located in the Waikato region. 
So um, so we're back in New Zealand. That's that's good after uh, Pukekohe closed somewhat suddenly. Always thought that was going to happen yeah. eventually, but the timing, uh, it all played out a bit quicker than anyone had expected. Um, so that's good. That's um, that's very good news for the championship. A big fan base in New Zealand per capita, probably higher than in Australia yes. and uh, and very parochial as well of course and lots of New Zealand drivers in the championship and uh and talking to uh, a couple of commercial people as well good news for some of them as well with sponsors if they happen to operate on uh, on both sides of the ditch so um so that's good news for everyone and good news for the teams as well if um if the other 12 events stay on the calendar as well because of course they'll get some more money um in the uh, environment that we yeah. now have with the charter system so I'm told it's uh, $60,000 per charter per car. So, um, yeah, another 120K, 240K if you're a four-car team, uh, going to all the teams for their trouble of uh, of going to New Zealand to race at Topol. And who would have thought even six weeks ago that we'd be heading to New Zealand in 2024 and watching Richie Stanaway in a full-time drive? Uh, there must be There must be people stoked about that. Uh, over in New Zealand, so awesome news there. And and I was going to ask as well this this talk about only twelve races this year. So will New Zealand be a thirteenth? Uh, sounds like it will be. Are we going to get more races? What's the Singapore situation then with New Zealand confirmed? Because it looked like they were chasing Singapore from a supercars perspective. They were they were hunting down a Singapore race as opposed to New Zealand. They were. They were. Um... I don't think anyone's expecting that to happen next year now. Still maybe 2025, but not for 2024, which is um which I'm not too disappointed by, to be honest, because and I say that because, you know, well, we've got uh, the Sandown five hundred is back and the Singapore Grand Prix would have uh, displaced that event at least from its you know, traditional timing of, you know, three or four weeks before Bathurst. Um, so the other question mark was the bend, but we think the bend is uh, is pretty good as well. They were certainly implying that it's going to be there um, when they announced their their crowd figure for the event just gone, the, uh, the biggest crowd since the inaugural supercars event at the bend in 2018. So that's, that's good news. The bend is, the bend has its critics among, the fan base, um, but but they've they've invested heavily in not just in building the joint, which is has cost them at least a hundred million dollars, um, but also in trying to make it a, an event sort of feel for the fans. So they've had the concert, mm. they put the podium in that uh, that town square area, um, and I think the track as well. I'm I'm starting to warm to that track. I know the first couple of events there were pretty uh were pretty sterile but I, th- I think we saw some fairly decent racing on the weekend and you know even, even in gen three you know supercars races are quite hit and miss in terms of entertainment value at the moment but i think i i think we're starting to hit on something there that actually that actually works so um yeah, so some that, of the that's passing good that's or- good news yeah. as well so yeah so um yeah, so I think we'll see the bend. It looks like 13 is going to be the number next year. So we're taking baby steps getting towards that sort of calendar that everyone wants. Good stuff. And non-supercars related, the bend 
will host its uh well it'll open its drag strip later this year so uh again building on that precinct where it's a multiple layout permanent circuit but it's also off-road courses all sorts of stuff um but yeah drag racing at the bend uh so yeah again just building on that so so 13 events next year, one more than this year. So it's not it's not the uh, expansion we wanted, but it's expansion that we've got. And and New Zealand, I think, super critical. I mean, when's the last time we had an Aussie champion? Jamie Winkup. Jamie Winkup 2017. Um, we've had Scott McLaughlin and Shane Van Gisbergen take all the trophies home ever since. So, uh, yeah, fantastic news for fans over there. Um to have their their own race, and I I think the drivers seem to enjoy New Zealand as well. So, so fantastic to have a, a race back in New Zealand. Um, but looking forward to twenty twenty four, Jack LeBrock, uh, race winner for MSR this year in the Gen Three Truck Assist Camaro, um, and Jack joins us now to talk about that switch to Erebus for twenty twenty four, the championship leading team right now. Uh, welcome aboard, Jack LeBrock. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate the invite. Jack, of course, the big news last week that you're going to Erebus in uh, 2024. Uh, how does it feel now? Is it all sinking in? And can you tell us a bit about how it came about? Yeah, look, yeah, thank you. Firstly, it is um, it is exciting. It's it's cool to, I suppose, we've been, been using the saying a lot, going going home. And um, it honestly does feel like that in a way, Betty and uh barry and daniel um uh, gave us uh gave us an opportunity many years ago so it, does, uh, it definitely feels like that for sure um but yeah it's exciting it's um it came around i suppose last minute it's, i suppose everything else did it was uh a bit out of the blue but look uh, very very lucky and fortunate to uh, um have the opportunity to to step into a, a team that's leading the championship and um having a really good run at the moment so it's uh yeah, it's cool. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. But um, yeah, I suppose we'll see see how the rest of the year plays out first. Hopefully, we can um, finish the year on a high for for Matty Boy, and uh, yeah, then hit the ground running into 24. And uh, obviously, you, you've had history with Erebus, but you've you've won a race this year with MSR. You you know, top ten in the championship is probably your best season so far. Why why Erebus? What in particular attracted you there? Uh yeah, it's. It's interesting. I suppose it's hard to look past us. Um, the results are having. They're a. Uh, they've been been building for a long time. Um, I saw that early on when they first they stepped into supercars. Um, and I suppose when these opportunities come around, I'm not getting any any younger. Unfortunately, um, got no hair as it is. So I need to. I suppose I thought, yeah, it's an opportunity that came up, and um, yeah, we, we we jumped on it. Um, it's one of those things to try to put myself in the best position to capitalize on on where I am in my career and. Um, yeah, Matty's uh, definitely running a, an awesome program and he, he's on the up and he's on the build. He's uh, still in the very young years. I suppose he's probably, yeah, the the four or five years behind where, where Erebus um, are now. So, yeah, it's uh, it's bittersweet because I mostly uh, love the guys at, at MSR and Matty have got a lot of time for, for all of them. And um, I think it'll be a lot of friendships that will be had for, for many years to come. But, um, yeah, just one of those one of those things that it popped up and, yeah, took a lot of considering to to do to consideration went into it to work out whether it was our I suppose the best move for myself and um yeah what what the future looked like there awesome and uh Brody Kostecki he's obviously he's coming off a sweep of the bend he's got the orange numbers 
on that car is uh is a title, you know, is that possible for Jack LeBrock next year? Who knows, mate? You um I suppose we wouldn't be in the game if we didn't think we could we could all achieve it. Um so yeah, I think we need to make sure we have the, the right people around us and um like Erebus have proved that. They've they've put an awesome team together and they're doing a great job and Brody's Brody's doing the, the work and getting the job done at the moment. So Fingers crossed for those guys. They can keep um, keep punching on and doing their thing. Um, but who knows, mate, for us, for fingers crossed in the future, we can uh, definitely yeah punch up the front with those boys on a more regular basis. And, um, yeah, I suppose uh, being, being in the team at Erebus has probably given us the best opportunity to do that uh, come next year. Jack, can I ask, uh, does it add pressure that if Brody does end up winning the title this year and the number one's on the car next door, and on the other side of the garage, does that add pressure to you, or does that motivate you, or what does that do to your mental approach to twenty twenty four? To be honest, it's pretty exciting for for the team. Um, if they do get the job done, then to be joining those guys at that stage in, um, I suppose that the team's history is uh, is pretty cool. Um, and if you're going to have uh, the best bloke um, as your teammate, it's probably for me. Yeah, it's motivating. It's um, it's something you always want to try and beat your teammate, um, but also work with them at the same time. But having that access to the data and his footage and all that sort of stuff, I think that would help me personally as a driver to, to help me step up. And, um, yeah, I think I'll, uh, yeah, cherish that and then work, work, um, work hard to try and um, do as good a job or if, if not better. So is this move, you mentioned you're not getting any younger. You're only, you're 31, right? Yep. You're, yeah, 31. Uh, you're not, you're not, you're not Alonso or dare I say, I'm the same age as uh, James Courtney-ish. Will Davison, um, plenty of time, plenty of time. But is this is this the moment? Do you think in your head is that is that? I mean, this is a massive opportunity, um, and you're still young enough. And is the are you? Do you feel like you've made it? This is your this is your golden opportunity to cement who you are as a driver. Uh, I suppose, yeah, some could say yeah, it's hard to argue that yeah, Airbus aren't, aren't the best team in pit lane at the moment. So to have that opportunity um, is massive. So. Uh, yeah, you could say this probably could be could be my chance to, I suppose, prove that I can get the job done. Um, I think Maddie and the guys have done an awesome job of that year and helping me get to the level where I am. And um, yeah, can't thank those guys enough for that. So I don't know, it'll be interesting. I've got to definitely keep working hard and keep uh, keep learning and, and keep building on that because, uh, yeah, the world doesn't stop, unfortunately. Everyone keeps uh, moving, improving and getting better. So um, it's got to keep doing our thing and stay focused. And yeah, I'm sure the, the rest will write itself. Jack, you're a you're a Melbourne boy. I guess have you have you been down to the workshop at Erebus lately? Are there you know are lots of people still there from your days back with the team when the programs that you're involved in were based in Melbourne? Nah, no, I haven't. I haven't been down there. I know uh, a few of the boys uh, from from the old days that are still there floating around. But um, yeah, look, we we still got four rounds left this year, so hundred percent focus on on doing um, doing the job we have uh, with with Maddie at the moment and. Yeah, we'll get to the end of the year. Let those guys focus on what they're doing. With sort of, I suppose, just as a little, um, I suppose, blip in the in the year of twenty twenty three. We sort of put that puts out the bed now. We can focus on on the jobs we have, and then yeah, I think come December, I like to head down there and obviously catch up with all the guys and, and see everyone there. So anyway, we'll get through. We've got Sandown coming up. Pretty pumped for that. I'm um, looking forward to actually getting back to Melbourne. Speaking of, so it's been a while. But Grand Prix was the last time I was down there. So it's uh. Hopefully the weather's turned on for us. It's not too chilly. It doesn't rain like it always does at Sandown. And we can, um, yeah, it'd be good fun having that Sandown 500 event back. Yeah. You touched on it a couple of times, but the tick for years for you were a struggle. And then you've gone to MSR and obviously 
you know, last year was kind of building and waiting out for Gen 3. But would it be fair to say that MSR has uh, revived your career as a supercars driver? Uh, it's hard to say. Obviously, it definitely had a great year this year and like Gen 3's been a big thing for for helping that. I do I do like this car. It suits my driving style more than I think what the old one did. Um, but again, Maddie's done an awesome job in, in building these cars. They, they put massive hours in over the break and have, have put together a really good Gen 3 program. So, uh, yeah, I think um, it was something that was always there. We had a pretty rough couple of years when I first came into the, the championship. I think that's, I suppose, from a confidence point of view, yeah. It knocks you around, um, but again, it, it the last part of it, we um, we did find a start to find our feet a little bit more. I um, and I suppose that's where working with Sammy Scaff at the time, um, there's still still a ticket there, but he was awesome for myself, and I learned learned a lot from him in those um, those twelve months I worked with him at Tickford. So I think probably that's probably where I think it started for me the turnaround, start to find what I needed to do and how I need to I suppose approach this this championship because it's a very different beast compared to Super Two and those other categories out there. So, uh, yeah, he was awesome. And I think that's probably where it started to turn around. And, and last year with Matty, where I was in, in older cars and it was a bit of a tough time at uh, at some races and some events. But um, we always knew coming to, to Matty's to MSR, it was a, a two-year program. We are building for Gen 3. And, um, yeah, I think that's definitely what we achieved this year. And we're having a really solid run now. Do you mind, Jack, if I ask, without you giving away your competitive secrets, what are those differences you mentioned difference from Super 2, Super 3. What are those differences that you need to take into the main game? I, I hate that term, but, um, yeah, what are the differences you need to to bring into the, the top-tier supercars category? Uh, I think the biggest thing is just you can't leave. Yeah, so what you gain 1% is, um, and even 0.1% at the moment, like the way that crazy close it is and just maximising yourself and, I suppose, understanding how crucial it is to, to get all those little bits and pieces right. Um and yeah, you just couldn't leave anything on the table. It's another level, and I think gun, and it comes down to the way the, the guys race and and how um, competitive and cutthroat it is, especially off the starts, and and how you maximise those first laps, how you look after the tire. It's just a, a totally different beast. Um, but it's cool. It's um, something that yeah, working with Sammy Scaff in uh, twenty one there was yeah, definitely learned a lot from him, and he's very passionate about it, and we we worked well together at that stage, and it's something I was able to carry through into um, MSR with with Jacko as well. So it's uh. It's been good. We've been building on it. And, uh, yeah, it's got to keep it going now. And I'll ask one more little thing just on that topic. The irony, I've been talking to Daniel about this, the irony as you move to a top team that you proved you don't necessarily need to be in a team, a homologation team or a team up the pointy end of the of pit lane, with all due respect to MSR. We spoke to Cam Hill recently and he talked about that window, the the setup window that you've got to be in. And you've just mentioned that Gen 3 suits your style and those one percenters. Is that that victory at Darwin? Is that was that just you getting it in the window that day, or how do you how do you compute that in in your racing brain? Yeah, look, hundred percent. We definitely definitely nailed the car for that race. It was actually probably one of the better race cars I've had all year. Um, so that's always got to got to play a big part of that. Um, but yeah, as Tammy would have mentioned, it's. It's crazy how small this window is for these cars. It's so hard to, to get right. It doesn't take much to just step outside that window. So I think, um, yeah, and that's where the, the engineers work their magic and, and try pretty hard for us to to make their uh, make our life as easy as it can be in those cars. But, um, yeah, look, 
we we nailed it that day, and it was um it's been been plenty of other times where we've nailed it, but it's uh yeah, I suppose it comes down to it as well. We had clean air, and it makes a massive difference in in these cars, and definitely the the racing's better and it's closer. Um, but it's still at some circuits hard to pass. So I think um yeah, just just I suppose having all the um, everything come together at the right time definitely um helps achieve that. And uh, speaking of engineers, Jack um. Tom Moore's obviously the uh, the race engineer on Will Brown's car at the moment. Is has there been any chat about how that's going to work next year? Are you just going to slot into, I guess, the existing structure they have there with uh, with Tom Moore on the car? Uh, yeah, to be honest, yeah, I haven't even really spoken um, to the guys about that. So um, yeah, not sure, mate. We'll uh, yeah, we got through the, the nitty gritty stuff with with Barry and Betty, and um, got all that sort of stuff out of the way, and that's about as far as we've got at the moment. So uh, I'm sure we'll we'll worry about that. Uh, yeah, I suppose hopefully at the end of the year. All right. We'll uh we'll talk in Giro's then. You've mentioned Sandown a, a couple of times, but um obviously it's been a good year for you so far. You've got uh Jaden Ajada driving with you this year. Um your chances for a, a result at Sandown and Bathurst? Yeah, I think um yeah, I think we're we're on for a really good showing. Um Jaden's uh yeah, doing an awesome job this year in his GD three racing. He's been been very fast and I think, um, yeah, last year, even at uh, Bathurst, he, he did an awesome job there. And that's sort of, well, I thought, we know what, we might as well continue him on. He's, um, you know, he's a team. Um, we get along really well and we're a similar size, uh, which is always makes it nice and easy, these Enduros and, and how hard these cars are to get in and out of. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Should be awesome. I love Sandown in particular. It's great to be back there for the 500 event. It's a, a place that's always been kind to me and stay 20 minutes down the road from where I grew up. So, uh Looking forward to get back into that one, but uh, I think we should be on for a pretty cool show. And yeah, the guys at MSR are doing an awesome job and they've been working yeah, pretty hard in the background, just getting all the strategy bits and pieces right, getting all those one percenters right, because uh, that's really what it's come down to this year is nailing all that. And um, yeah, the guys are doing an awesome job. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, there are things to be worked out with strategy and we don't know what CPS counts are yet, for example, but as a driver, do you think... You know, do you think the feel of a Sandown 500 or a Bathurst 1000 is going to change much now that we've got these Gen 3 race cars? No, I think it'll be pretty similar. It's going to be interesting to see, obviously, the fuel tank and the way these things use fuel and the tyres and stuff like that. It's a bit of a different, different ball game now. We've got, got a lot much larger tank, so I'm not even sure how they're, they're approaching that yet. Um, but, yeah, we'll probably see a lot longer pit stops and it could actually play a big part, of it, especially at Sandown, going laps down. And I suppose it was, was borderline... Uh, with the older cars, when we had high fuel flow rates, um, smaller tanks, so you weren't seeing stationary as long. But um, that's all all part of it. I suppose the guys are working through that now, trying to work out how that's all going to work and what we need to do to, to make that happen. But, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. So hopefully we can get it, uh, get it right and we can have a good run. Finally then, Jack, um, as we said, you're running in the top 10 in the championship now. You're picking up those, you know, um, solid results every in the wins and stuff um for the rest of the year what uh what's a what's a pass mark what's it what's a target for for you to achieve by the end of 2023 uh look we'd love to stay in the 10 of the championship i think that's that'd be massive for, for the team and be awesome there and uh end there on a high but um yeah to be honest we'd love to get some more champagne before the year's out i think it's uh definitely achievable and then uh, coming to the back end of the season, these circuits are all places that that I like and I enjoy, and I've gone well at in the past. It was um, yeah, it's tough on a talent bend. It's a bit of a bogey track for me. I've always struggled there a little bit, but um, yeah, I'm looking forward to get back into Sandown and, and hit the ground running. So 
if we get some more champagne for the boys, and um, yeah, that'd be a great way to end the season. So we look forward to uh, to seeing what you can do with MSR for the rest of the year, Jack. And mate, thanks very much for your time, and, and appreciate you being on the Speed Cafe podcast. Yeah, perfect. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate it. And Daniel, it's very interesting. Jack LeBrock seems to be in such a good space right now. He's in a in a competitive car. He's going to the team that's leading the series next year. So he's in a really good spot. Now, the potential there is massive. Um, but Jaden Ojeda, um, as a co-driver, um, Jaden won the six-hour earlier this year. Um, pretty dominant, pretty, pretty uh, strong display of talent there. Um, what do you think JLB's chances are realistically at San Anabathist? Uh, solid, solid. Definitely solid. Um, I podium. Yeah, there's a few big teams to beat there, but um, look, definitely in with a shout. Uh, Jaden Ajada will be uh, a very good co-driver. He's uh, he's probably one of the the better talents that can't quite uh, force his way into a seat of his own at the moment. Not sure if that's uh, dollars probably comes into that a bit as well. But yeah, I. They're, they're a very good chance and and who knows what could happen on that uh on that Sunday at the mountain given everything that happens there every year and if we get rain at either the mountain or a rain at sandown again one of those chaotic races you never know so I haven't, haven't had a lot of rain prospect. with gen three either yeah that is true that is true uh where have we had I'm just trying to trying to think actually we had the preseason um, but test but they're on the old tires and hmm. As in the old rain tires, just for for the listeners, they have a new rain tire for Gen Three, but the same dry tires. And we had we had a tiny bit at Albert Park, but those were the sort of funny races where it sprinkled a bit and the race got declared wet, and then they all ran on slicks throughout. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I don't. We haven't really had any proper, certainly any sustained wet weather running in these cars on the current spec of tyre yet. Yeah, that's fascinating. That's another another variable to make it extremely unpredictable, as it always is. But um, lots of questions, making it intriguing for, for 2023. Uh, so to keep up on all the latest news, don't forget our Monday podcast uh, with Mark Fogarty. Um, I'll get in trouble if I don't pronounce his name correctly. Um, on the Speed Cafe newscast and, of course, our Grassroots podcast with Gary O'Brien. Uh, we're coming back to Formula One as well this week, the Dutch Grand Prix. So the summer break is over. Uh, Oscar Piastri, obviously a great form heading into the break. Daniel Ricciardo having returned. Uh, I think he's done one one good race and one not so. So let's see how Daniel Ricciardo shapes out in terms of hunting Perez down for that 2024 seat at Red Bull, if that does happen or not we could be seeing a strong return from ricardo or we could be seeing his last season i hope it's the former so uh of course indycar as well this weekend um daniel you're an indycar guru i don't know anything about this weekend's race what's uh what's it's gateway right gateway motorsports park yeah well uh, known commercially as Worldwide Technology Raceway these days. Yeah, Gateway, uh, final oval of the season. Uh, lots of things to look out for. Joseph Newgarden could end up with a sweep of the five oval races this year, which would be remarkable. But the problem for him is that he's not had very good results when he's had to turn right. Um, so Alex Palu 
who as uh, Will Power jokes probably has about four different contracts with various IndyCar teams at the moment. Um, he's 101 points up with three races to go and it's a maximum 54 points for a weekend. So 50 for a win, bonuses for pole, for leading laps, for leading more laps than anyone, which means that if he gets to, if he increases his championship lead by seven this weekend, then it's done because the uh, the countback will right. be on race wins and he'll have that. So Alex Palu potentially, unofficially, I think the way they do it in IndyCar as well, but uh, potentially sealing the IndyCar series title with two races to spare this weekend. Um, but maybe not if uh, if Joseph Newgarden can step up as we would expect him to do on an oval because he's been literally unbeatable on those uh, dating back to late last season. And between Newgarden and Palu is Scott Dixon. So, uh, mate, you just can't keep Scott Dixon down. He's always there, isn't he? That's why he's... That's why he's the guru. And again, another New Zealander. Um, and McLaughlin in fourth there behind New Garden as well. So yeah, could be could be a championship decider. Uh what does that mean then? Uh, what does that mean for this whole contract stuff that's going on? If he wins the title, does that mean anything? Is there a bonus he's going to miss out on? Is there a it's it's a bit crazy. Yeah, I I don't well. I think what it means for the contract is already done because I I, I suspect this has played into um, he's thinking Reganassi. I think also you know lack of uh, lack of Formula One opportunities has has played into it as well. I don't think that means too much really to be honest. Um, but it, it's an interesting one, of course. McLaren thinking they have a contract with him for next year, and uh, Chip Ganassi has said uh, quite unequivocally he's asserted that they are um, mm. inaccurate and wrong, quote-unquote. That's going to play out in the courts. McLaren has initiated legal action against uh, Alex Palu and his company. So that would be an interesting one. I don't think McLaren's expecting that Alex Palu will ever drive for them again. They're just trying to recover some, uh, some of their costs, including... Uh, reportedly an advance on Palu's wages for 2024. Oh, wow. McLaren and driver contracts. It's always interesting whether you're an Australian, or you're, whether you're Oscar, whether you're Daniel. Uh, it's always fascinating. So, uh, yeah, interesting weekend of Formula One and IndyCar coming up. So a title decider potentially for IndyCar. Um, and, and of course, Course, Formula One returning Dutch Grand Prix, um, the Zandvoort circuit. Uh, it's a bit of a crazy Zandvoort. circuit. Max, yeah, I, I, I did, I did, uh, I don't like saying it publicly. Uh, so, um, but yeah, a, a fantastic track. Obviously, Max Verstappen in the middle of one of the most dominant seasons in Formula One history. So let's see if anyone else other than a Red Bull can win a race um, and whether a, anyone other than Max can win a race for that matter. Um, he could lead the constructors points on his own without Perez as the uh, number two driver there. So uh, stay tuned for all that. Stay on Speed Cafe for all the latest news from IndyCar, Formula One and other events around the world and Australia. And with that, thank you, Daniel Herrera, for your time. Thank and you. we'll talk to you on the Speed Cafe podcast next week. You've just listened to a Speed Cafe Pod Hub production. 